0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: I'm completely just biased at this point. I love these guys. These are true Christians. Christians should be honored. These are re- these are real Christians. They, they got a call of God, and they dropped everything and went and followed after that call. And they're in... Beirut, Lebanon, they've got so much to tell you, but I want to tell you really quick what's in their heart is the church of Jesus Christ, blessing people, bringing people the love of God, having them receive that love and then go find their purpose and go spread that love to other people. They are pastoring, they are shepherding, they are discipling, they are training They're training other pastors, and it's really exciting to hear their story. You're going to hear so much more. Before today is over, we're going to be in this altar. Before tonight is done, we are going to talk to God. We've not really been to God's house until we've talked to him. Before tonight's over, we're going to talk to God. And I believe that what you're going to hear is going to draw you to the altar today. When you feel that draw, you come right up. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to see God work in your life. God doesn't just work in Beirut, Lebanon. He wants to work in your home. He wants to work in your kids. He wants to work in your job. Redemption Church, he wants to work in us. So who's excited about it? Amen. Love you guys. Y'all are awesome.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Good evening. Good evening. You can tell, you know what, our time zones are always off. So, you know, I say morning, someone says evening. I've sent messages and people wake up in the middle of the night. But it's so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's so good to worship with the body of Christ this evening. You know, in Psalm 22, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people Jesus is here. You know, the miracle worker is in this house, and he's in you. I know we all came in tonight, and we all have different things happening in our lives. We have different needs in our lives. But you know what? The one that has the answer to all of those needs, he's here. And I believe that tonight, as Matt's sharing this evening, that you're going to hear things that he's been speaking to your heart. He's going to quicken things, make them alive within you, and they're going to spring up, and you're going to see your future. You're going to see the path. You're going to see the next step. You're going to see the answer to those things that you've been believing for. I believe you're going to see those things tonight. I'm expecting. If you're not expecting, I'm expecting. I'm going to come and pull on the Lord, and I'm going to ask him to come and show off in this place because I am expecting answers. I'm expecting our steps to be ordered, and I'm expecting that we're gonna walk in the path that he has for each and every one of us, his perfect plan. So I hope you're expecting, because I'm expecting. So I guess I should say, I'm Julie, (laughs) and this is Matt, and Matt's gonna be ministering tonight. But I just wanted to say how much we love you. You know, you're here, and we're there, but we are, there's no distance in the spirit. We are all connected. It doesn't matter where we are in the world, we're all connected. You are family. And what God is doing in Lebanon, he is only doing because of the connection that we have here. So we thank God for you. So don't ever think, oh, well, I'm not doing anything for the kingdom. I'm not, I'm not winning souls or I'm not making a difference in the lives of people because you are around the world. And Matt's going to tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay.
2: I didn't know if this is better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, not our plan, but your plan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this house. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the greater one who lives on the inside of us. We trust him tonight to live big on the inside of us. To speak. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask for the glory and the anointing to minister to, touch, and do what only you can do. We give you free reign and free course tonight, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. The glory of the Lord is here. Amen. Say, well, I don't really know what that means. Well, stick around. Hallelujah. As we're speaking tonight, I want you to expect the Lord to minister to you. You're not limited by what I'm going to say. Because He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think. How? According to the power. What power? The one that's at work in us. So we say, Lord, get glory to Yourself in this church tonight. Get glory to Yourself in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whoo! Glory to God. I'm glad I came. I think it's going to get better. Hallelujah. You know, this is the most important thing happening right now. That's what Matthew chapter 16 says. That's what Matthew chapter 28 says. That's what Mark chapter 16 says. What am I talking about? The church. It is the most important thing. It is what heaven is focused on. Am I focused on the same thing? How about that question? Is my focus lined up with Jesus focus? Like if Jesus came walking down the center aisle, he's here, you know. But if. He opened your eyes and you saw him and you began chatting with him. Would you be talking about the same thing? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for your church and for your pastors. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 talk about Well, Ephesians, the letter, talk about the relationship of Christ and the church and then how the church works together to supply one another. And the supply of the spirit of grace that is in this house and on your pastors is so precious to us and has ministered to us 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 says those who honor me I will honor. Now, if you go back and look at that that's the word of the Lord. God said that. Those who honor me I will honor. That verse goes on to say those who despise me Will be lightly esteemed, and sometimes we think despise. Well, that means like, I. I don't like something. I, I don't. I don't. I hate it. I, I. I don't want it. Like I despise broccoli. But actually, despise just means to ignore. Or to prefer something else. In that in that verse there. But as we, were, as we were worshiping, I just kept hearing that honor, honor, honor. I believe that the Lord is going to honor you. I believe that. I believe that's the word of the Lord. The Lord will honor you because you have honored him. Hallelujah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have a real good message I want to share. (laughs) The Lord has some things for you tonight, and I just encourage you to expect amen let's just let's just expect thank you Lord Thank you Lord First John chapter 2 let's start there first John chapter 2 verse 6 I want to uh, I want to look at this verse of scripture and then we'll begin. And I'll share a little bit about what's happening in Lebanon that you are a part of. It wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for you. Um, there's some books back there on our table It says, we are looking for you. And I mean by that, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be where we are. And that's not an exaggeration. Because everything God does in the earth, he does through relationships and so i'm thankful for you first john chapter 2 verse 6 says he or she who says he abides in him ought it's a good word good bible word ought he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just As he walked. He who says, I abide in Jesus, I am a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, that person ought, should. One Greek translator said, is morally obligated to walk just as Jesus walked. What is the standard for the Christian life? Christ. Does the standard change? Jesus doesn't. Hebrews chapter thirteen says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, what's the standard for Christians? About a year ago, Julie and I got to go to Antioch, Turkey, which was an amazing privilege because I love history, and so we uh, we went there to connect with uh, some ministry friends and look at some things. The Lord has really opened up um, doors of ministry to train up leaders, spiritual leaders and church planters in Turkey as well from what we're doing in Lebanon. And while I was there, they said, do you want to see the church? I said, you mean the Acts 13 church? You mean the Acts 11 where they were first called Christians Church yes yes I do (laughs) so we drove up the side of the hill and we walk in it wasn't very big it was probably about the size of this room I stood there and both of us Julie and I just, just wept we got to stand there. And I'm standing there, and I, I thought about something. You know, there were 50,000 people in the church in Antioch in the first century. 50,000. Well, they wouldn't all fit in that room. But you had a slide up here that says they met from house to house. And that's kind of what we do at Go Church we, uh, in Beirut. We, we meet in homes and cafes on a weekly basis, and then once a month, the whole group comes together. The other thing about Antioch, though, like I said in Acts chapter 11, it says they were first there called Christians. But, you know, they didn't have a meeting and said, hey, we're having trouble, like, branding ourselves. What should we call ourselves? It says they were first called Christians. If you read the history, you see that it was the pagan Romans that said that group, that some of them meet up in that hillside, and the rest of them, they're always in the cafes, they're always in the merchant places, they're always in, these, uh, in, the, in the streets. They act like that one called Christ. They act like him. And so they called them Christians. It was 150, 180 years later before Christians started referring to themselves as Christians. Because in the first century, the followers of Christ, they had thought, well, I want to be like him, but I'm going to be busy acting like it. Not just calling myself that. Those who say, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. John said, ought to walk just as he wa-. How could I do that? How could I do that? I'm glad you asked. My love of history, I don't know if it started with this story or not, but when I was a little kid, my dad used to, my dad's a musician, and my dad used to play this song, 40 Brave Soldiers for Jesus. Has anyone ever heard that? It's on YouTube, you can, uh, no, I'll let you search it out on YouTube. It's very folksy, not really in my key. Thanks though. (laughs) 1700 years ago? In the fourth century, at the beginning of the fourth century, early 300s, the 12th Roman Legion would have been by today's standards the special forces. They earned special recognition under Marcus Aurelius. And in their ranks were many followers of Jesus. Many. Emperor Licinius took power. And as was the custom at the time, ordered that all the soldiers make an offering to the emperor, which meant pinch a little incense, throw it into a fire, and say, Emperor Licinius is Lord. The edict went out by messenger, and the messenger arrived to the 12th legion that was stationed about a hundred miles from the Black Sea. And there, in the winter, very cold, probably about a mile high in elevation, about 5,000 feet above sea level. There, the legion received the order. Everyone must make an offering for the Emperor. Forty soldiers refused. Their commander came to them and said, You can believe in Jesus. It's fine. No problem. Just say the Emperor is Lord. It's it's okay. If you say the Emperor is Lord, No harm is going to come. You can still believe in Jesus. You can still be a follower of Jesus. Everything's fine. They refused. They said, no, we are first soldiers for Jesus, second soldiers for Rome. And they refused to make the offering. The messengers from Rome said, beat them. And their commander had no choice. And so he ordered them beaten. Still they refused to bow. Exasperated. Fed up. The representative of the emperor saw a small lake frozen over. He ordered the soldiers stripped of all their clothing and at sundown marched out onto that lake. This isn't just a song. This really happened. And I'm going to skip to the end and say there's no happy ending. They went out there shivering cold hardened warriors succumbing to the elements because they refused to compromise because they had made a decision and a commitment and that commitment was worth something to them because they had named the name of Christ and they refused to bow. History says that the men from Rome built a warming tent. This would have been a closed canvas tent where they built a fire. Inside the tent, they would have packed it with rocks and wet rags so that steam would just pour out of it. And they said, at any time, you can come off the ice and enter this place of warmth. All you have to do is make the offering to the emperor just at the door. A little bit of compromise, and instantly you're warm. Forty men standing on the ice. History says that one of them, a young man that had joined their ranks one year before, Couldn't take it. He slowly walked on the ice toward the tent. His brothers, in Christ and in arms, called to him and said, don't do it. He made his offering, threw a pinch of incense into the fire, and said, the emperor is Lord. It took no time at all. But by this time, his body temperature was so low, the change in temperature when he entered the tent was too much. And he died, having compromised. Seeing this, One of the guards from Rome, one of the men who had carried out the beatings who witnessed this, history says that he stripped off all of his clothes and ran out onto the ice and said, the number will be 40. You know what that is? That's influence. And that's what I want to talk about. What are the decisions and the manner of our life, the way we conduct ourselves, how is it influencing others, or what are the things that are influencing us? Right before service, your pastor said, to the team, we are not thermometers, thermostats, right? Because a thermometer reflects the temperature, a thermostat sets the temperature. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, I love Hebrews 11. It's all about faith, amen, and victory. Look at Hebrews 11, chapter 32. And what more shall I say? Well, if you start reading in verse 1, it's faith victory, faith victory, faith victory. Back in uh, verse 30, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Woo! Glory to God. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> verse 32, and what more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, all these great. People of faith. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Boy, I like that. That's a great victory. Amen. Worked righteousness. That sounds good. And stopped the mouths of lions. Yay. I like this. This is good. By faith, by faith, by faith. I love it. Verse 34 quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. Glory to God. These are great faith victories. Verse 35 women received their dead, raised to life again. Resurrection. Glory. Yeah, others were tortured. Woo, hallelujah. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings and chains of imprisonment. Yay. Yay. Faith victories. They were stoned and sawn in two. Y'all want to talk about something else? <laughs> faith, faith in Jesus, great faith, is the victory. That's right. And when we receive his victory, we don't measure it by natural circumstance. So here we see some people are having these great faith victories. This is awesome. And then we see some of the faith victories doesn't seem so awesome. James and John, disciples of Jesus. They came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. And they said, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. Jesus said, okay, fellas, what do you want? That's the Matt Hattabot translation. Okay, fellas, what do you want? They said, we want you, because we know you're the king. And you're the Messiah, and you're going to set up your kingdom. We want you to have us sit on your left hand and on your right hand. The Bible says that the other disciples were angry at them for asking. I think because they didn't think of it first. (laughs) And if you read it quick in the King James Version you think oh Jesus just kind of rebuked him but actually if you look at it he actually said okay here's how that works you be the servant of all and drink the same cup of suffering that I am and then he said and you will woo glory <laughs> The missionary from the Middle East came and talked about suffering, torture. That's not nice. What I am talking about is commitment and influence. And sometimes the things that happen to us or the threat of something happening to us will influence us. There was a man that came to Jesus in Lebanon. He was part of a community. They heard about his conversion to Jesus. And they said. Are you with those evangelical believers? Followers of Jesus. And he said yes. And for a year. A year. Everyone in that community. Did everything they could. To make that guy's life. Help. Old debts. That had been canceled. They brought back. They tried to evict his mother, who was, how old is his mom? Late 80s. They tried to evict her from her apartment where she had lived for 30 years. Because he said yes to Jesus. He came to me and he said, I don't know what to do. And all I could tell him was the truth. Act like the Bible is true. The standard doesn't change. You can, you can spend all the time looking at the scriptures and you'll never find a place for compromise. Jesus is the standard. After a year, the leader of this particular community came to him, and he said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. He said, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have, we as this community group, we have, we've been working against you. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I picked up one. He said, I thought that what you were doing was wrong and would hurt our community. He said, but we have watched you. We've watched you for a year. And what you have is real. And you're different than the person we used to know. You know what that is? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. Do you know why? Because Jesus, that's who He is. He makes all things new.
1: And He works in us to will and to do His good pleasure.
2: That man said, I want you to forgive me. He said, I forgive you. He said, I want you to come to this community celebration dinner and be the guest. And they honored him. And they gave him a chance to share his testimony of Jesus to everyone. Today, in that community, we have an open door. If we need something, it is a miracle. And I believe we're going to see more and more of those But you know what's at the heart of that? Faithful obedience to act like the word of God is true. Everybody loves miracles. Who doesn't love miracles? John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. Jesus, they're out of wine. Like, that's not my business. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says, you do it. You know, that's how to receive a miracle. That's it. How to receive a miracle. Just do what he says, whatever he says. At the beginning or the seed of any miracle is the obedience of the follower of Christ. The decision to say that the commitment that I've made, I'm going to stick with it. I mentioned James. In Acts chapter 12, this verse doesn't get a lot of refrigerator magnet action. Acts chapter 12, it says King Herod Agrippa decided to persecute the church because it would make his influence grow with the people that he was governing. And so he, verse 2, it says, So he killed James, John's brother, with the sword. Now, this isn't in the Bible, but in the first century account of that happening, which was recorded by a guy named Clemens, Clemens Alexandrin, Clemens, his friends called him Clint. He said that history, the the account, in order for Herod, as a Roman governor, to order his death, he needed an accuser. And so they called for an accuser. History doesn't know his name. And this person accused James of being a follower of Christ. King Herod ordered his death. And from the place of judgment to the place of execution, I don't know how far that was, the accuser had to walk with James. And Clemens says that when they arrived at the place of execution, the accused, the accuser fell down in front of the executioner and said, me too. I Also am a follower of Jesus. Why that stands out to me so much. James. Didn't preach him a sermon. He didn't hand him a copy of his latest book. But there was something about the way. He. walked. There was enough of Jesus in James. There was enough work of Jesus in James that this person who had tried to gain influence with the Roman governor, there was enough Jesus in James to make a difference. So my challenge to me. Is there enough Jesus in me to make that kind of difference? Has he worked in me enough that just my walk will proclaim his message? We can come into this house tonight, and all of us can have a need. Sometimes those needs are loud. This has to change. This circumstance has to change. This symptom has to leave. This bill has to be paid. And it's so loud, it has all of our attention. I want to ask to quiet those voices for just a minute. I want Julie to come up here. Just right where you're sitting, just quiet that for just a minute. The Bible says that the Lord knows... What you have need of. Quiet those voices for just a moment and let's think about what is influencing us and how are we influencing others?
0: Hallelujah. You know, as Matt was sharing, I was thinking about Jesus on the night before he was accused, he was in the garden and he was praying. And he was facing something big, right? He's praying and it's so heavy on him that it says that he's like, he's sweating blood. It's coming from his pores. It's so heavy on him. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this, be pa- this cup be passed from me. But your will be done. That yes. I hear that yes. Jesus said, if there's any other way, but you know what, Lord? Yes to your will. Yes to your plan. Yes to what you have for me. And because Jesus said yes, we all have that opportunity to say yes to him. We all have the opportunity for that yes. (laughs) That amazing yes that changes our life, not just here on the earth. But in <laughs> we gained heaven because of that yes. You know, we, Matt and I and our family, we're in Lebanon and we're seeing these life changes because we said yes. The provision of God was on the other side of that yes that we made. Walking out and seeing miracles is on the other side of that yes that we gave to him. And there are things that he has before you, like Matt said. You know, there are mountains screaming at you, saying, what are you going to do? You can't get around me. But there's a yes that you have. There's a yes that you have that will take down every mountain that's in front of you. That will conquer everything. Anything that's standing against you is in your yes. Because Jesus is asking you to do something. He's asked all of us. We all have a part to play. We all have things that are in our lives that we need to lay down. We need to cast aside, and we need to say yes, to. We have those accounts in Hebrews 11 because there are people that said yes. It's all because of those yeses. Do you think that they thought, well, if we walk around the city of Jericho, we march around this, that the walls are going to come down? But they said yes. And they did it in faith and they believed God. In the beginning of this service, we were worshiping and we were seeing this is a house of miracles. What if we believe that? What if we expect miracles when we come to this place, when the body of Christ comes and worships the Lord together? What if we expect to have an encounter with him, with the answer? If we come expecting to not just be able to do, but to know, but to see. What is he saying to you? What has he asked you to say yes to? What has he asked you to change? What are these things that we're carrying that aren't ours to carry? There are things that we've said yes to that aren't his will or his plan for our life. All part of our walk. And that walk, it influences those around us. Look at all of these empty seats in this room. I don't believe any of these seats are supposed to be empty. I believe each and every one of these seats represents another member of the body of Christ, of the church of Christ. And that's an R yes. R yes to step out and invite someone. R yes to talk to somebody in the grocery store. Or you to reach out to a friend and invite them to come to church. Maybe you just say, hey, let's go for coffee, and you just drive here and say, well, we have coffee here. You're welcome. Their life will change. All we need is that opportunity to take a walk with him. He speaks to us right where we are. I believe that the Lord has something for you tonight. I believe that as Matt was sharing about that influence, that we can have when we come and have an encounter with him. I believe that there is something that he wants to impart into each and every one of you tonight. And I believe that we're not going to leave here the way that we came. We're going to leave here changed. Do you believe it? I don't know. I don't know if we believe it. Do we believe that this is the house of miracles? Do we believe that God can move? Is he welcome in this place? Is he welcome to come and change our lives to shake us from where we are in our own thoughts and ideas, but to move us into a new place? Do you expect an outpouring of his spirit? Because you know what? There's nothing that I can't do that he can't do for you right now where you're at, because he is at work in you. He lives in you. So right now, let's pray, and I'm going to hand it over to your pastor, but we're going to believe there's things that are going to break. They're going to fall off, and they're not going to reattach to you. You're not going to carry them out of this place. But you have to say yes, and you have to believe in that yes. Oh, Father, I thank you. Oh, Father, I thank you. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Oh, great are you, Lord worthy to be praised we thank you father for what you have for us tonight oh lord we thank you for what you're going to do in this place it's already done now in jesus name and we receive it father we walk in your favor and grace oh lord and we receive we receive it now father we receive it now father We come before you, Father, now, and we pour it all out before you, Father, and we say yes to your plan. We say yes to your plan. We say yes to your plan. Oh, Father, we call you worthy. You're great. You're mighty. You're above everything that we face. We give it all up to you now, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Redemption Church, it's time to say yes. Let's make a move towards God in this place. Our, our team's going to come and worship with us, but I want us to say a yes to the Lord today. When you lift your hands, it's saying yes to the Lord. When you bow your head and begin to pray, that's saying yes to the Lord. When you repent of your sins, that is saying yes to the Lord. What yes will you give the Lord today? There is no telling what is on the other side of that yes today. Why don't you say yes to Him? In Jesus' name, if you want special prayer in this place, we want to pray with you and we believe God's
0: going For more information about Redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter or even our anonymous...